Hey, Carm here, and welcome to episode 414. I'm with George Menchu, Scott Brown, Justin Morgan, and Matt Fonslow at Vision 2019 in Kansas City. We take a deep dive into what an automotive mechanic is and does. I promise, an enlightening talk on redefining the automotive mechanic. And so the question simply becomes, in the outside world, is technicians strong enough to represent the guys who have dedicated their lives to working on cars? Welcome, aftermarketers, to Remarkable Results Radio. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hey, Carm Capriato here. What's a mechanic? You know, Webster's Dictionary would say a person who repairs and maintains a machine or machinery. Now, does it properly represent the automotive industry as a whole? Does it bring value? Prestige? Hmm, here, what our veteran automotive professionals own take on how they would like to redefine a technician or a mechanic within our industry. Hey, have you made your plans for Apex? Did you know that some of the very best shop owners and technician training takes place at Apex? And are you looking to see the latest automotive tech? Well, get out your calendar and make plans to be there at Apex this year, November 5th through the 7th at the Sands Expo in Las Vegas. For information, visit aapexshow.com and I will see you there. Hey, do you know how glad I am to have you in the podcast ecosystem where we talk the business of the automotive aftermarket and more. Hey, I'm so glad to have had my studio again this year at Vision KC 2019, sponsored by the Midwest Auto Care Alliance. Thanks to Sherry Hamilton and President Jerry Holcomb from Milwaukee. This is the first of many interviews we captured at Vision KC. Always feel free to reach out and provide me your ideas for the podcast. You know, I really care what you want to hear and the topics you want discussed. Keep connected with me, Carm, at RemarkableResults.biz. And with me is a very prestigious group of your industry peers. George Menchu is here from AES Wave. He's also an industry instructor. Scott Brown from Diag.net and shop owner of Connie and Dix in Claremont, California. Matt Fonslow, Diagnostician and Shop Manager at Riverside Automotive in Red Wing, Minnesota. And Justin Morgan, Tech Support Specialist for LMV Bavarian and Tech Ambassador for AES Wave. Find the links to my guests' previous episodes and the talking points at RemarkableResults.biz slash E414. As we discuss bringing a new definition to the automotive mechanic, we're not trying to build a pecking order, but to define the outcome of the investment in training and knowledge of technology necessary to work on today's vehicles. Hey, you'll love the true power of this discussion as we go deep in. Keep an open mind. We're here to excite your thoughts. Points of view are many in our industry. So if you like what you hear, do what you can to move these concepts forward in your daily world. Hey, warm welcome to, oh my God, look at this. Oh, if you could, anyone could see the brain trust in this, in this room, you'd be kind of amazed. I'm at Vision 2019 in Kansas City and the expo's going on and it's Saturday and you guys have got to be exhausted. Am I right? Give me an yeah. amen. That's uh, affirmative. Yeah. yeah I Roger that. George Menchu yes. is here with us from AES Wave, trainer, developer, uh, all around genius. And by the way, uh, if no one has ever listened to George's episodes with me, it's 180 and 241, and they're absolutely classics in my mind. All right. Thanks, Thank you Carm. so much for being here. And Scott Brown's here with us from Diag.net. Hey, thank you for having me, Carm. Thanks. Uh, good, good to see you, Scott. You've always been a great contributor to the show. 
Justin Morgan. Met Justin for the first time, and he said, uh, you know, Carm, I'm, I'm, I'm a tech, and then I'm now a tech support for LMV Bavarian. That's Seth Thorson. And he says, and every once in a while, George likes to call me a tech ambassador for AES Wave. That, that is what we have uh, decided on. How'd you earn that? You know, I really don't know. One day I called AES Wave and I started uh, having a conversation with George because he answered the phone and we got on the topic of the U-Scope and just kind of snowballed into that. Cool. And then Matt Fonslow is with us. Great friend, great contributor to the show, shop manager, diagnostician, Riverside Automotive, Red Wing, Minnesota. Hi, Matt. Hello. And Justin is absolutely an ambassador. The reason isn't because, you know, his relationship started with George with a phone call and a discussion about the U-Scope, but he got the um, ambassador title for his performance at Auto Mechanica in the booth. That's yeah, sure. And how he would interact with techs that, you know, didn't know about something, lacked confidence, and he's just a straight shooter who doesn't belittle anybody. So it was, it was actually... Uh, a marvel to watch, I thought. Such an interesting statement that you just said. Yeah, yeah. very puzzling. Yeah. You wow. know, Justin just, he did it. He, he showed his enthusiasm for everything, and uh, it was pretty exciting. It was, it was a pretty fun time. Hey, why are we here, man? Well, so I wrote Carm a, uh, a message, uh, and the message kind of popped up out of conversations I've been having with folks, including Matt, Justin, and Scott. So we would be talking back and forth about issues, uh, not necessarily, I shouldn't say issues, but just in general. And every time I would say the word technician, I would just get this feeling that there's just something wrong. It wasn't a negative feeling, but it was just like, it just didn't seem strong enough word. And so I started thinking about it, started analyzing this, this gut feeling I was getting. And it just simply boils down to this. When I say technician, and I think of like everybody that's here today, everybody that's here today, when we talk back and forth, we know what technician means. But when you look at the outside world, when you say technician, does it carry enough weight to represent the guys who have dedicated themselves to repairing automobiles. And that is what I wrote you about. And everybody in this room knows, but no one on the outside world knows. Well, yeah, I think everybody in this room, we all know it. No, in this room, how about this? In this room <laughs> yeah. that we call a conference center where there's probably about yeah. 3,000 and probably right. 2,000 technicians. Right. Yeah. So if, if you go back, and we've, we've talked about this many, yeah. many, many times, you go back and, and look at how do you communicate amongst each other, right? So we, we are communicating amongst our peers, and so we know our audience, right? But yeah. George is talking about how do we reflect externally yeah. to the client. Yeah. We need to value up our, our offering, right? The, the client really doesn't understand how complex these vehicles are. We're thinking like engineers. We are not engineers, but uh, we are definitely having to outthink you know, the, the test plan or what have you that was applied to that vehicle. But uh, moreover, if we think about the progression, you know, the term mechanic, how do we refer to the term mechanic? We don't even really use that anymore, right? Yeah. We don't. We don't, right. But I, I try to think about, you know, a customer comes in and, and has a complaint and the service advisor says, well, let me have my blank take a look at it. 
So what term would fit that that would add more value to the event that's about to take place? That's the way I like to look at it. So hopefully we can come out with some suggestions and uh, build I'd this love to. Let's, let's build this. Matthew, you're out in uh, having, having dinner. People know that uh, you're a mechanic. <laughs> because, you know, you're a member of the community. Nobody I, would ever mistake me for being a mechanic. Okay, so why? <laughs> so in the outside world, why? Uh, outside world, they might. You, know, right. you work in a repair shop, you're a mechanic. Okay. So you work on cars, you're a mechanic. Do you have a 30-second speech to tell someone, uh, hey, I appreciate that you see the value of me being a mechanic, but here's my 30-second speech as to what I really do and what I am? No, I think they kind of know what I do, at least you know, in my um, town, my area. My reputation's kind of spread enough from mm-hmm. other shops, advertising, Facebook pages, stuff like that, that they kind of know that I deal mostly with what Scott's referring to, that more complex type diagnostic world programming, uh, diagnostics, figuring stuff out. Hey, guys, if the outside world uh, knows mechanic, says mechanic, is it okay if we explain what that means? I mean, we're going to have a tough time maybe changing that paradigm, but maybe we should explain it better. I've got some thoughts on the word mechanic. So to me... The idea of being a mechanic, and first off, when I wrote you this letter, my goal wasn't to show some level of, you know, some levels of being a technician, Mm -hmm. for example. My, uh, so for example, I remember watching the science show, and there's a guy, a scientist who's making, using atoms to try to develop computer memory, and he's sitting in this chair in this interview. The guy says, I'm a mechanic. The parts that I work on are just smaller. For anyone who's been to my classes, I try to base everything off of the fundamental patterns of mechanics. So for me to be a mechanic is is a foundation for everything that I do. So, and I just say this so we don't try to put it in different levels. But when it comes to the idea of a technician, we know what it means, just like everybody in the world knows what it means to be a mechanic. But on technician, we know what it means because we live the experience. But when you go to the outside world, technician, the word is is watered down so much. And so the question simply becomes, in the outside world, is technician strong enough to represent the guys who have dedicated their lives to working on cars? You know, I call them automotive scientific investigators and diagnostic reverse engineers, lifetime learners who it's are still, always in a constant state So how do, state how of how do we boil down? Because that's a, that's a mouthful of... Well, in the uh, general public probably feels this... Technician word is taking the same type of weight as associate instead of employee. We're just twisting words to make you feel better or make ourselves look a little more, you know, a little smarter, a little better, a little more techie. You know, you put your heart and soul into your work every day, but the automotive aftermarket, it moves fast. And staying competitive means staying up to date on the very latest training and new products. At Apex, the Automotive Aftermarket Product Expo, the training sessions are some of the best I've ever seen, and they all take place over a three-day period, all under one roof. Apex training is geared toward shop owners, technicians, auto parts retailers, and warehouse distributors, and each year, Apex adds new programs to make sure you stay ahead. 
In 2018 alone, Apex added shop equipment and technology training and electric car and alternative fuel vehicle training. Now, keep in mind, these sessions are taught by many of the top trainers in the industry. Mark your calendar now to attend Apex 2019, November 5th through the 7th at the Sands Expo in Las Vegas. To learn more, visit aapexshow.com. So I've got something to interject here. So I, I want to go back. So uh, George and Matt and I were recently working on a project, and right. and I pushed uh, something out on 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 social media, Uh-oh. and you know tagged Matt's name in there. And and there's a, a client of Matt's at, at Riverside Automotive that came in and said, "This is quote: If you need an expert to work on your car, domestic or foreign." Matt Fanslow is your guy at Riverside Automotive, end quote. So what did he use? He said expert. That's a good one. That's pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know who this guy is. You probably know who he is. It's Jason uh, or Jameson. He's on my payroll. He's on your payroll. <laughs> oh, is that right? Is that true or is that just a joke? That is a joke. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of, you know, that's honorable for him to refer to him as an expert, right? So I've, I think I've seen the term and I think this has probably been brought forward by, you know, corporate marketing, car care expert. I agree with George. We we definitely need to have a higher level uh, representation for what it is that we do. Um, you know, especially as we're we're marketing ourselves externally to Absolutely. the to the general public. And uh, frankly, and I, I say this all the time: we we're shop A, that's shop B. From the consumer's perspective, you're a repair facility that has equal abilities. I, I would challenge anybody to say that the consumer does not assume that everybody has some level of, or everybody's a certified person that's authorized to work on a car. And that we all know internally that that is so far from the truth. And it's it's pretty frustrating, especially when you start looking at the layers of safety-driven components being applied to the automobile. And uh, you know, we, we definitely need to clean up our act. So thanks. I, I really enjoy this conversation. So, so to kind of touch on what these guys are talking about, um, this is kind of a sensitive subject across the industry of does it really matter what I call myself, mechanic or technician, because guys look at it as we're trying to build a pecking order within the industry. That's not really my take on it is it's kind of what these guys are talking about is is we need to change that public perception. We need to sell ourselves and our service for what it is. Um, you know, whether we call ourselves mechanics or technicians or sanitation engineers, whatever it is, is it's not for us to have a job title so that I can make myself feel better than Matt or I can make myself feel better than Scott or George. It's not that internal conflict that we're trying to create. We're trying to change the public perception of there are things that are mechanical, there are things that are electrical, there are things that are hydraulic, and we have guys that are approaching each of those differently. The skill sets are different. Scott just touched on that there is a varying range of experience and expertise in the industry, and we need to kind of allow the public to understand that that's the reason that the cars are more complicated, the cost of repair is more expensive because of the steps that are involved, the risk and responsibility that we're taking in the industry, that's what we're after when we start looking and kicking around this name change. It's not, oh, I'm going to be better than you because I'm not a mechanic, I'm a technician, or I'm a diagnostic expert. It is solely for that public perception that they get a better idea 
of what it is we do on a daily basis. Agreed. That's uh, that's pretty profound. But it, it does boil down to, you know, where's the revenue coming from, right? We, we have to be compensated for what we do. If the consumer has no value proposition, it's very frustrating when you think about it, but I think we did, we definitely need to boil it down. I remember seeing just recently a, a conversation where there was an argument about the, the term industry versus a trade. All right. And uh, a guy on, this is on diagnostic network. He said, an industry typically is represented by standards and, and, you know, a high, a high level of, uh, you know, a uniform, uh, uh, approach. And he refers to the, to this as a trade because it's like the wild, wild west out there. And it's very, very frustrating for those of us that have been doing it right and tooling up and, and budgeting for, you know, training and tooling and, and information and, spending time to travel across the country to come to an event like this to continue to advance your skill set. So are you saying the trade really describes what we are and what we do? Well, the trade, I think, I think we're missing the fact that we are not qualifying ourselves at this higher level. Well, and, you know, Bob Greenwood says we're not a trade anymore, guys. We're profession. Bob is a great guy. I would argue against that. We are not there yet. We still have this, uh, this, unknown out there. I mean, the consumer, again, is the main component here, right? They're the ones that, that provide the revenue for us. And we need to make sure that that, co- that consumer understands who it is that they're dealing with. If we say we're a profession, would we behave any differently? Uh, I think we need some guidance. Around we need, that. Yeah, we need, uh, we need some sort of, like he's saying, guidance or structure, um, standards. Um, I, are you familiar with Quora? Yeah. Um, somebody had asked, what is it take to become you know a mechanic and the honest answer is uh either go get a job at a repair shop or open your own hang a shingle out your gra- outside your garage you're a mechanic there's nothing to say otherwise that you're not you know i, I can't cut somebody's hair without some sort of a, a license i just had a visual me, uh, uh, by the way me too but what if the question said what does it take to become an automotive expert Right. That's Let, much let, different. Let's step back for just a second. So, in a way, you can describe it as the wild, wild west. Yeah. But we can't forget this. Look at the amazing accomplishments that this wild, wild west has has made. It is just absolutely incredible. And not only is it incredible, look at the opportunities that everyone has had. Because, you know, who gets the opportunity to, to work on a vehicle which is fundamental to the fabric of functioning the uh, the fabric of society as high tech as it is i got a high school education and it's look at what the opportunities it's brought and we have been successful in keeping the world on their wheels and that is just absolutely incredible but everything i agree with what everybody's saying but we can't forget that that part of it yeah and i think where i was kind of heading with that a little bit to just kind of take a jab not at you guys but you know, at the trade, at the industry is there is a little bit of qualification of uh, skill. It's voluntary, but we don't embrace that either. Yeah. Right. But if you think back to what George was said, he said, uh, look at what we've accomplished. Well, if you boil it down to how did we accomplish that? Why? What What led us to do that? And, and I just said it leading by example. Right. So a lot of us. We figure out a better way to do something and we share it with our friends and we start to demonstrate that professionalism and others take note, right? 
there are people that feel shy to engage, but if they, they are observers and they pay attention and then they start behaving like those that are advancing, they will continue to move forward. But I I think still we have a problem with the fact that, like Matt said, what does it take to be a mechanic? The visual I had was, you know, watching an old Western where you've got the guy that's the blacksmith, right? He's the blacksmith. He's, how is he, how is he qualified to be a blacksmith? He's self-qualifying himself. He's the guy that provides a solution, and that's really where where we came from, right? He was the blacksmith, was the mechanic. He was the guy that that fixed everything. Well, now it's so complex that we 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 have to look at it more granularly and uh, be able to qualify ourselves in one way or another. I think it's going to get to the point where you know you've got these again these safety driven systems on these automobiles, and I mean it's going to be like the aviation industry that that vehicle whether it's an aircraft or whatever it's it has to have this mandated service done to it and when the service gets done to it it has to be done in a uniform standard if there's an open they they call them airworthiness directives but there could be a recall on an automobile today that car comes in for service and there's an open recall that car doesn't go back out on the road until that recall is complete and that vehicle is ready to go back on the road there are millions of vehicles out there on the road today that are totally out of compliance, and they're driving on the same roads that we are. So, To kind of touch on what they're talking about, just from a simple technician perspective, so we do have this big crack in the industry. We've done great things, but we do have a big crack, and a part of the industry has fallen into that crack. I think the only way it's going to get fixed is with what everybody's alluding to, which is one word, structure. There's got to be some form of structure um, whether that's licensing or mandatory certification or whatever direction we go, but it starts with we have to figure out that plan for structure. Uh, without that, it's going to continue to be the Wild West, and Matt's going to be hanging shingles outside of his garage. Okay, let me let me throw this in about structure. One of the things that – one of the reasons I brought up this conversation for you, Carm, is the structure is more in place right now than it ever has been. So – just look at the outside world. Anybody who is connected to a television, to a radio, uh, to social media, they know how complex the automobile is today. So that part of... No, they're, they're being told how complex it is. Yeah. They really don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point. So now here we are. We're do- That's half of the battle right there. So everyone knows it's complex. So going back to the idea of the word technician. So... We need to up our game in the way we're, we represent ourselves so we can be in tune with that level. I mean, if we keep saying technician to the outside world, it means, um, you know, how many applications is the word technician? I don't want to throw them out there, but here's an example. My dad was a virologist. He worked in the lab and made vaccines. Well, you could call him a lab technician, right? But there's a difference in saying lab technician and saying virologist. And so my point is, is if we start marketing ourselves right, it will help to bring on that structure. It'll help to bring on that reward if we all just take that little tiny effort that is almost uh, effortless. As if you're a school, when you market your, your, your classes, you market your automotive program, are you using the right words that reflect where the, the automotive industry technology is going? So, for example... Are you a diagnostic automotive expert? Would that be a way to say it instead of technician? 
are you a uh, diagnostic engineer? I'm an automotive diagnostic engineer. So if we just up our games, that's part of building that structure that says that we are more than just the Wild West. But, uh, and it's a simple change. You got a shop, you're marketing your shop, what words are you using to go hire that next technician? And so it's not a slam on anybody, but you know, as far as pecking orders, as Justin mentioned. So kind of to touch on what George is talking about there is we do have some stuff in place that I don't think it's utilized as well as it should. Um, ASE is a big one. Um, that's kind of a hot button in the industry, whether, you know, do we need it? Do we not need it? That could be the ultimate marketing plan for us, in my opinion, because there's already levels there that we can use to market what the skill sets are. I was uh, I moderated a power panel yesterday and uh, Chris Chesney was on and he hinted that ASE may be going through a total let's rethink what we're doing and how we're doing it for the industry. So he didn't have anything else to say except to say that there's so many people working on what is the next level. Well, if you follow me, if you will. So you have just in the A test, the automobile test. So if you get a certain number of tests done for brakes and suspension and exhaust, you get a tab. What does that tab say? It says undercar specialist, right? If you pass A1 through A8, then you can take L1 and you become what? Advanced diagnostics, right? You're an advanced level technician. So we already have that structure there, I think. I just don't think we're utilizing it as well as we could. Um, whether the tests are being mistaken or they're not being treated to the degree of seriousness I think they should be, I think it's a good program. We have something there. Maybe we should try to build off of it more because that's going to underlie a structure that's been in place for a pretty good amount of time. Yeah, I agree with uh, Justin there. The, I, I want to go back to what, what you were talking about with, with Chris. And ASE is already taking a step forward in doing the next level of engagement. And that's more on the continuance because right now you get certified you, or you take a test. And, and what's that term? Five years? Five so f- between that five years, the next time you got to take your test again, what's the guy doing? Maybe he's reading up a little bit. Maybe he's doing some test prep, and then he's going to go in and, and test. And typically what I tell people is that if you know how to do your job, this test should be a minimum, just a bare minimum. So I think really we need to empower ourselves to look at establishing our own personal minimums and say, okay, yeah, I want, I want the ASE certs, but the, I don't stop there. That when, I, when I get that cert, I'm not done. But what, what ASC just recently announced, they, they announced this, uh, you buy a, a subscription, an annual subscription, and you take these periodic uh, test challenges, and you're, you're doing that on a mobile device or whatever, what have you, and that's helping you to continually build your, your knowledge set, right? You're, you're challenging yourself with some stuff that you may not normally see, yeah. and you're going, holy Holy crap, I didn't know about that. Is uh, that going to get to uh, eliminate a recertification then if you continue to? Right. So one of the goals, one of the things that they're going after is trying to get those that have dropped their, you know, they haven't been renewing. Mm-hmm. Well, they can actually sign into this thing and, and actually recertify up to, I think it's just the basic level, A1 through A8. Yep. And they can become current again. So, hey, that's that's a great way to engage. It's not intrusive there, there's been a lot of controversy over oh now i have to go to this test center this test center is far away or what have you they're adapting to yeah. the modern world yeah. today and um you know i i know there's always a a, a worry about somebody te- cheating or what have you but 
Really, if you're a I think professional, they got that you're not going to. Yeah. You know, I heard a little bit about this at Apex last year, so I'm, I'm, I, I've not stayed in touch with it, but it's it's out, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, yep. there's no real cheating because they're kind of urging you to go look up the information. So you, uh, you know, it says there's a question available. You say, okay, I'm ready for it, and then it asks you if you're sure. And you say yes, and it gives you the question, and you have a period of time to answer the question, giving you enough time to either uh, look it up. Answer because you know. Yep. And what's, well, you couldn't obviously answer it if you know right away. Yeah. Or it gives you an opportunity to go quick look it up and service information. Because they're, like Scott alluded to, they're looking at more of that continuing education. And what's really, I think, kind of cool with the uh, this mobile app is they can now ask vehicle-specific questions. Generally, well, not generally, with the regular ASE test, the initial tests you have to take to become ASE certified, where you go to the computer-based testing center, those are generic. You know, they're not uh, manufacturer-specific. Now, with the mobile app, they can say, 2015 Chevy Camaro, this engine, this code. These are your test results. Here's a wiring schematic. What's the most likely... Um, Why would it be any what, different on mobile than if you were sitting down in front of a desktop at a, at a test center? Yeah, are they catering to what? Are you able to define the the type of car lines that you're working on? Is that what they're doing now, or I'm not sure. Yeah, the the questions I wrote were vehicle specific. Okay, oh. and so I was urged. When did you do that? When did you write them? Oh, it's probably a year, okay. year and a half ago. All right, had a had a group. Um, so. Uh, you know, obviously A1 through A8. And so, okay, you wrote vehicle specific. How does, how does it relate to the questions that I as a tech would get? Do I, like Scott said, do I say that, hey, I'm a, I'm a Chevy guy or I'm a GM or a specialty shop? I think that's where it's going eventually. Okay. Um, the, the first run, there just wasn't enough questions in the pool, so you got everything. You could be a GM tech and you're getting BMW questions. You know, because Justin's a BMW specialist, and what if there was just a BMW which Best. I think, yeah. Which I think there is. I think there's a, a relationship with BMW and ASE now. Okay. And but I, I like it because I'm an independent tech. All makes all models. All right. I don't know what that question is going to be, and it gives me an opportunity to and look the stuff up and figure it out. So, what is the plan for making value for the ASC testing certification to the outside world? That is one of the things I was talking about with the structure. Is I think we're underutilizing. ASE. ASE doesn't market itself as well as I think it should to the public of why they should look for this ASE certification symbol at the shop they're going to. So it doesn't hold any weight with the public. It holds weight with us inside the industry, but that doesn't do any, that doesn't really do anything for us when we're trying to, like Scott said, create that value with the customer, make them understand that when we're dealing with ADOS and adaptive braking and airbags and everything else, even down to the basic suspension component, that ultimately turns into a potential safety issue and a liability issue, the things that we have to know. So I think that we have to get um, ASE to kind of market towards the general public of what they do for the industry and why that's important to them. Meaning, okay, these guys have done their continuing education like ASE is starting to talk about doing. And what that means is that overall there is a better trained and skilled 
whatever name we come up with working on your car, whether it's technician, mechanic, zoologist, whatever you pick. Um, I think that's going to be the ultimate end game, in my opinion. I struggle with that because I don't look at ASE that way. They should have value to me. I could really care less about ASE themselves as an entity using their resources to promote to the public. That's my well, job. That's my service advisor's job. Why the public should needs to look for the blue seal, right? Yeah, I think ASE's job is to give me a test or a credential that holds up in court. That's what it's supposed to do, you know? Shop owners and technicians don't value the certifications because people don't come in and ask about them. Well, and the, yeah, and, they, and then if their techs don't have ASE certifications and a customer comes, comes in with a, you know, maybe a bad experience at a shop that has ASE certified technicians, what do they do? Run it into the ground. Or, you know, techs, we've mishandled it on the management side. We have techs that have ASE certifications. They've had it for years, you know, five, and it comes time to renew. And having those credentials over that time has benefited them nothing. No real respect, no pay difference, nothing. So now why? What's the driving force to go re-up my credential? It does nothing for me. My service advisor doesn't push it towards uh, the client in front of them. The other shops run it down. So here's a here's a concept that uh, I've I've pushed before on Carm Show and I've pushed in other conversations and and I think that uh, one of the solutions that we can um, implement here is to promote from within and here's the model we leverage a, a platform like ASE and this continuing education piece and we get other training partners to engage us but here's what happens technician or a shop has a number of technicians 80% of those technicians are in a program where they're continually involved and, and they're upping their game they're meeting these these levels the recognition comes from the the partners the, the folks that are providing parts and uh, and and other you know maybe tools and equipment and they recognize that shop that is above the the norm the, the zero level and they reward them, right? They continue to reward them through discounts. So the way I found out about this, again, it goes back to what the aviation industry does. Once a pilot gets their license, you know, they have to renew every two years, depending on age. But in between that two-year period, um, I'm a pilot, and I had my instructor said, hey, you never stop learning. You're a lifetime learner. And I thought, wow, that's crazy. This is what we talk about in our automotive industry. I went to rent an aircraft at a um, at another you know service center, and in order for me to rent this aircraft, I had to be in registered in this uh, FAA Wings program. And I I thought, what is that? Well, it's what I just talked about. That it's a continuing education piece where you register, you take a minimum set of trainings, and there's some test outs on that stuff, and and you basically qualify to a certain level. I'm basically validating or self-validating that I'm staying up to date. And now this company that rents aircraft and is probably tied to their insurance, they get a better cut because they're only renting to people that are qualified ab above. So going back to the insurance, every shop out there has to have a garage keeper liability policy. If they're dealing with a shop that has 80% of their techs that are at this minimal level or above minimums, they're continually engaging and they're educated. Are they less of a risk than the shop that doesn't have any any 
any skin in the game, so to speak? I would say yes. Give them the discount, right? But then you market that discount. You have the other shops that are going, well, how do I get that discount? And you show them how they can do it. They can help themselves get to, to get to that solution. Yeah, you hit something that's really almost like a sore spot with me. <clears throat> I have never understood why parts manufacturers or uh, distributors don't offer a benefit to an ASC certified shop or ASC certi- a shop with ASC certified technicians versus a walk-in customer versus a shop that does not have AS- ASC certifications, whether it's a price discount or a change in warranty. You're a walk-in customer, you get a 10-day warranty or 15-day warranty. You're a shop that doesn't have any ASC credentials, you know, one year. You're a shop with uh, ASC credentials, a Blue Seal shop, three-year lifetime, better labor, you know, maybe a higher rate of uh, labor rate or payout on labor for any kind of uh, warranty claims. I, I, I can't get my head wrapped around that. Yeah, I totally agree. And, I, and I've seen um, some of the return, return parts, no problem found <laughs> stuff. If you look at that cost center for a manufacturer, by the it's way, huge, in the industry, right? it's billions. Yeah. Okay. It's and huge. and I, I remember interviewing Bobby Bassett from Gates, and he actually brought the stats to the show of of you know all the belts. I that remember they, that. That yeah. was great. It was a great episode. And I love it. And having have some background in the distribution business, and someone says, "Well, discount, discount, discount." He says, "You're killing me." You know, it's it, it, my my point was is Matt brought up a great alternative. Give me a better warranty. You know, tr- trust me on my labor because I think your investment in additional warranty, which is good for the facing of the customer, good for the for the for higher labor rate that you're going to give me instead of splitting it with me in half, is good. Why? Because you're going to get less. And and you know what? For that reason, not discount. I think the industry would get so far behind this 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 ASE marriage. Mm-hmm. You know so what? Maybe now's a good time because if they're if they're revamping the testing to give it more credibility within the industry, then that can follow along. So what I've just noticed is listening to all three of these guys talk, that's where we're getting into that gray area where we want definitions. They keep saying industry, but they're including parts. They're including ASE. So as an industry for automotive repair, it's not just the guys that own shops or work in shops. The industry, in my opinion, is everything that relates to automotive repair. It is the guy providing garage keepers insurance. It's the guy that owns the shop. It's the guy selling the parts. It's the guy doing the marketing. That's the industry. The trade inside of that industry is the technician, mechanic, zoologist, whatever name we come up with. So that, in my opinion, is where the differentiation comes between, like we were talking about earlier, with are we an industry, are we a trade? Well, we are an industry, but it's not just those of us on the ground with wrenches and tools in our hands. The industry is our parts suppliers, our insurance, our ASE. All of that is the industry. The trade with inside of that is those that are fixing the cars, I think. And I would, I want to expound a little bit, too. Like, uh, I agree with Scott tremendously. ASC's got to step up their game. I think where they really need to step that up is kind of with different levels. So we have the written test. We have the mobile app. Now we need, I think, to follow suit a little bit with the aviation, aviation industry. And Scott can explain uh, the aviation testing and credentialing far, far better than I. But I think we need to kind of take a page from that. It'll raise the cost uh, for such a, a credential, but 
you know, if we can add value to it and there's, um, I can't, a big I, upside. I can't see how a manufacturer wouldn't want to play in that sandbox. I agree. I mean, it's uh, that's we're, we're in challenging times, right? So, no, you know, we are exciting times. Exciting. Well, they're definitely exciting. And and really, this kind of dialogue needs to be had over and over again. And you know, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Are the words about us feeling good about who we are and what we do, or, or the, will the words really create a paradigm shift? Absolutely. There is there is no better time than right now to to implement all these changes. The outside world has a pretty good idea of where automobiles are going. That's just fact. So that's no longer the challenge of getting them to understand. Remember when we were all making that analogy to uh, the the – Apollo space rockets to how many computers are on there? Uh, we don't have to tell them that anymore. They know. Hey, the car's becoming Terminator on wheels. Artificial intelligence. I took a ride in uh, Scott's Tesla, and don't ever mess with the Tesla and get it pissed off at you, right, Scott? Right. Yeah, it has this uh, mode, and, and yeah. so I was taking Matt for a little cruise, and uh, we're, we're, of course, in Southern California on extremely uh, dense traffic. Uh, freeway. So we're cruising along and we put it into this new mode. It's called, um, autopilot. Okay. And so we're, we're like in the, uh, number three lane and, and a car is getting ready to merge in and, and it sees a hole and it sped up and, it's and like it did the California, car. they call it a, they call it the, uh, FU mode, I guess they would call it. And the car actually sped up and closed the gap so that car could not get in. And I, I told Matt, I, I was pointing at the car. I go, it's not me. It's the car gesturing to the to the driver. I'm going to yeah. assume that's probably a learned adaptation from the driver. Uh, I probably. Oh man, you just nailed me, didn't you? Yeah. Hey. I'm just calling it like I see it. And that Tesla that's, that's takes a, off like a rocket. That's AI right there. Yeah. It's quick, and you could tell when Scott was piloting versus the autopilot. Autopilot, it is dead center in the lane. Doesn't matter what's next to it. Semis weaving, it is dead center. Scott would adjust based off of what the other vehicles are doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a that's a new frontier. So you know, we we're talking about Terminator and all that. But <laughs> so you were talking about we we can continue to talk about this. So you know, uh, George and I participate in the Educator Think Tank, and you know, we've been doing this for how many years now? Five yeah. or more. We've been talking and talking, and this year has been talking about the doing now. So we've been bringing doers into the equation saying, hey, we've been talking about this. Here's some people that are doing this. So okay, so I, so, I think we need to go to the lead right. by example. So right? hold, hold that thought. We can have a meeting, bring some people together, sit down, have paper, water, and a big round table, and talk again. But is the way to really make the change is really private one-on-one discussions you know, at a high level, two or three or four, go to ASE and sit down and say, this is a must. We have to do this. Where are you? Where are you? Because too many meetings, too many consortiums, as you say, you walk away and you, you're wondering, uh, who's going to, uh, uh, George Scott, Matt, who's going to do this? Right. Who's the next? I so. think there's definitely a loss there because you have a lot of groups that are engaged that want that active change for the public perception, the advancement of the entire industry and the trade. But I think we have too many chiefs and not enough Indians. We need to get it. I mean, excuse me. Yeah, exactly. We we need to get a couple of heads of the industry together that can form and, and direct that change. So it's it's about developing behaviors. And that's goes back to the original point of technician because 
you know, I've got a lot of experience, you know, the last 30 years of trying to overcome big, large projects and um, in, in making products. And so sometimes you just got to do tiny little things. And in fact, if you look at the fundamental pattern of learning, you want to know how to become really good as a technician and you're, how to not be that guy who looks back in five years and says, what happens to me? You teach yourself to be in a constant state of learning by making connections. And it's just something you can do every day, right? And it's a bunch of little things that over five years add up to a big thing. So the idea of, hey, I'm not going to advertise for a technician. I need a cutting-edge guy. I'm going to go for a diagnostic, uh, a diagnostician, for example. And if we teach ourselves to just start doing these little tiny things, that is going to get the ball rolling, and everything else will start to fall into place, especially with ideas like the airplane thing. You know, it's getting thrown out there, and the market forces will make us do it. So I, I think in order to make this progress forward, right, to, to really start making this, this happen, we can try to get everybody collectively to buy in on this, or we can do just like you, you do, George, when you're going to make a new product, right? You do a proof of concept, Right. And you build something, prototype, whatever, and you prove that it's going to work. Well, we just need to expand this out a little bit. Maybe we take a small group of key players, maybe a part supplier, maybe a tool supplier, some industry, um, you know, the, the, the boots on the ground, and we build this proof of concept and we show it how it, how it can work and how it, and then now we're leading by example, right? And we're getting a, rather than the government or somebody coming That's in right. and mandating mm-hmm. what we have to do, we figure it out. We do what's best for all players. It's mutually beneficial. And then and we then take it to the next level. Pyramid, scheme it up and sell it. Yeah. But don't say pyramid scheme and sell uh, well, it. That's, all right. that's not, all right. that's well, not no, the right. Well, all right. Don't say I'm, sell it. I'm sorry. I was actually no, thinking good. of you know taking the steps up in a plateau. He says, you know, okay, yeah. we've 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 really started this, and then what do we do yeah. to the next level? Yeah, pyramid scheme is a bad bad term. Um, so I take that back. But I, I get it. I won't yeah. edit that out. Yeah. Hey, um, listen, I want to bring this to a conclusion. This has been a great interview. Uh, maybe maybe we can actually uh, really rock our world with this a little bit. But before we end, and I ask you guys to help me sum this up for George, and thanks for bringing this to me. Happy birthday, Scott. Hey, thank you. Scott, happy we, birthday. We all have one. Once a year. Yeah, I know. And I didn't know about it. I would have today. had you a big, beautiful, gorgeous whipped cream cake here. But I, yeah. some of I, us just I had have ice a cream. Much, I, much larger audience for their birthday. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I had some ice cream last night. And I, I don't usually eat ice cream. But All right. uh, I, I hate to get back on a scale when I get home. I think that's why they don't put scales in your yeah. hotel room. So you so, enjoy uh, yourself. To, to my panel of experts, sum this up for me. It all boils down to marketing We've got an opportunity now where, because of the way the technology is changing, we have this great opportunity to redefine ourselves. And we can be passive about it or we can be active about it. And it's just, if we, if we all just engage in just tiny little things, it will add up to a big thing over time. And so, you know, we want ASC to do all these things. Well, we got to support them because somebody has to, you know, when ASC does an ad, I get uh, a call from the magazine says, George, they're doing an ad help us pay for the ad and I help them pay for the ad. So that's one way to do it. But back in the old days, you know, ASC used to market to the public. And so Matt, I think you're right on, on the ball there. You guys right on it. 
by saying, well, the shops should be doing that. But then what do we got to do to do that? We got to get them up to the next level so ASC has, has uh, their testing has more value that uh, everyone wants to embrace. But anyway, it's about a bunch of little things. Technician, if you're a school, if you're a shop owner and you're advertising something out to the public, up the ante because technician to the outside world is watered down and uh, just change it. And that's just one other little piece of the puzzle. And um, opportunity is great right now for doing this. Scott, how many lines of code in an Audi A8? Uh, I don't know what the Audi A8 is, but I do have a slide I know that, that, I, that yeah. I push out. And it's basically 2016, in, in the year 2016, at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, Ford Motor Company had a Ford F-150. And their big, their big headline was 150 million lines of code. Oh. Absolutely outrageous. So... George said marketing, right? So I, I, when I hear that term, it's like, oh, I have to send it to the marketing department, right? That is so far from the truth. Today, everything we do, we are marketing. We're, we're, we're acting as a professional. We're communicating to the consumer at a professional level. We should continually do that. And that's what will elevate our, our brand um, for who we are. But we also need to continually expert uh, add expertise to our mantra so that we are staying on top of the curve we're staying ahead of the game we're doing the right services that the vehicle actually needs and they're doing them right so the vehicle is back on the road safely so to sum it all up um i i really i would love to work on this proof of concept um and i i have some people that i've been you know getting their ear you know in their ear so I, I think these guys that are sitting at this uh, table here today are, are all on board. So we'll see what we can, we can do to push the uh, needle forward. Anything I can do. I think we've hit on it. There, you know, we have several things we need to do. I think it's time for us to start pushing from those discussions that we've had over the last how many ever years to start enacting some of those actions, even if it's the small puzzle pieces like George is talking about. You know, whether it's we start talking about the way we present ourselves. You know, Scott mentioned everything we do now in this era that we live in is some form of marketing. Every time you get on social media, every time you send an email, every time you call a customer, anytime you do anything that involves more than one person is technically marketing in this very era now. Um, so we have to be aware of that and we really need to mind what we do everywhere in the public, you know, put our best foot forward every time. And that will slowly cause the industry to rise itself. And I say industry, including everything, parts, technicians, shop owners, the whole nine yards, and then specifically the trade of the guys fixing the cars. Um, you know, the training, the, you know, every, the shops being clean, you don't have to have a brand new shop, big shop, but all of that plays into marketing, the way your shop looks, the way your front counter staff presents themselves, the way they explain things. Do they add value to what your technician is doing in the back? That kind of stuff. That's all marketing in this day and era. Yeah, I wanted to step in and, and mention something. I talked to Bill Haas yesterday. You know, he's walking through the, yeah, yeah. the halls. And I, I, I met a couple or a lady down in Australia last year. And uh, she is one that, that works with businesses to help them market themselves and manage their, their business, you know, similar to what, to what Bill Haas does. She is here. I, she asked me, how do I get to the States? How do I, how do I, you know, up my game? And I said, you got to come to Vision. So I've been working with her over the last few months, and she's now here. 
she came up to me the other day and she said, you know, I sat in Bill Haas's class and he said he was referring to the customer as not a customer, but a guest. And she said, wow, that is pretty profound. So I told Bill about this last night and he says, wow, okay, that's, that's pretty nice. That, uh, I really like that. He says, but one thing, why do we call it a shop? So Justin was just referring it to a shop. We, we are a store or we are, and a store is kind of a bland name. We're a service center, right? Mm-hmm. We are, we are a place that provides value. So anyways, what, what I'm getting at is we need to change our terminology. There we go. And it's the words. And George, that's exactly why you brought this to us. And it would be really great if we could pick the words, put them in a manifesto. Everyone that's, gets it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It says, you know, it's no longer this. We're going to talk about this. And by the way, you make a hundred and no, you, you make 750,000 copies or emails or send it out. So every tech and every shop is covered and we maybe get some buy-in and maybe there can be some real change that happens. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Wow. By the way, uh, I'm reading this book from Seth Gooden. This is marketing. I so, so recommend it. I, I just can't put it down. I started to read it on the way here on the airplane. Matt, final words. All right. I guess one thing we didn't mention is uh, with all the structure, we're kind of talking about the uh, repair facility or service center end. Um, I think there needs to be better structure at the uh, learning level, trade schools, community college programs, stuff like that. Um, you know, one one obvious thing to me, and I think, you know, might fall on NATEF, is for the life of me, I can't figure out why they haven't made it mandatory to be NATEF certified. And you need to have the curriculum or, or have in your curriculum George Menchu's uh, wiring schematic color coding. It, it makes no sense to me. I like Matt. It, yeah. <laughs> it, it's more than just the wiring schematic. While you're doing the color coding, you're also learning about you know, electricity, and you're also, um, you know, kind of drilling down or s- simplifying a complex system or circuit. Are we going to wake up? Are you going to be on the train for the race to the bottom, or do you want to go the other direction? Are you an expert? At? Your customers seem to think so. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he's an automotive scientific investigator and expert diagnostic <laughs> reverse it. engineer. <laughs> I like George. <laughs> I, I love it. Hey, thank you so much to George Menchu, AES Wave trainer, developer, Matt Fonslow, shop manager, diagnostician, expert at Riverside Automotive, Red Wing, Minnesota, Justin Morgan, LMV Bavarian tech support, and Scott Brown from Diag.net. Thanks, guys. Hey, thank Carm. you. Thanks Thanks very Carm. much. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.